0: I remember a brunch bagel, Zechitzadik Levracha, who was the uh, original Rosh Shiva here. He used to give a, uh, a shmooze before the Talmidim would go home on Pesach. And I remember, I don't remember so much what he used to say about the main part of the shir, about the shir-kloli aspects of it. Some of it I remember, but not all. But I remember that he was always very consistent in telling the Talmidim that when they go home, it's very important to help your mothers out with the Pesach preparations at home. And he would say how that's really the way that you could tell if you've shtayg in yeshiva, how your midas have become, is by how much you come home and you help out and you bring the, the groceries in from the, uh, from the car, or you actually go shopping even, you offer your, to do errands, and you clean your room, and you clean up in general. And that's a main part of being a Ben-Tayra, is that when you're in yeshiva, you have to be in yeshiva fully, and you have to be totally immersed in the tayra, and the, and the chevra, and whatever's going on in yeshiva. But when you go home, Sometimes we think that we're there from doing everything. It's, uh, it's our time off and it's our vacation. We don't have to do anything and let everything just go as it was before we came home. But it's very important that when we come home, uh, we help out. There's a lot of chores to be done always before Pesach for those of you that are staying at home and that your families will be home on Yantif. But even if you're going away, there's always so much to be done and it's very, very critical before Yantif to engage in the, in the Avedis Hayyam. And the Avedis Hayyam of Pesach is cleaning. Cleaning is a major part of Yantif. And I want to uh, delve into that a little bit in the Machshava end of it. The practical halachas about cleaning and what you need to clean and what you don't need to clean is a completely different discussion, but I want to talk about the or. Why would it be that the Yantif of Pesach is always preceded by a lot of, by a lot of cleaning, by scrubbing, by uh, cleansing, to, be, to kasher one's uh, silver and to uh, uh, whatever needs to be done. There's a lot of things that are going into the preparations of the Yantif of Pesach and they, a lot of it revolves around the cleaning process. And you might think to say, well, what's your question? I mean, you have to clean the chametz out of the house, and you've got to, obviously, there is a, a practical level, but there is no such thing in Yiddishkeit as just something practically. There's always a machshava beneath it. There's always a hashkafa. There's always some takeaway on a deeper level of anything. You find any minhag, and you find any practice, and you find any <coughs> uh, reality in Klal Yisrael, there's always an imik to it. There's always a depth. And that has to be explored, that has to be probed. And when you're able to dig deeply into every practice or any practice that Klai Yisrael has, you will come up with treasures. So that's what I want to talk about today is the, uh, the subject of cleaning before Pesach and what the ayimek, what the takeaway, what the musr sheba is. There's Ramban at the end of Parashas Bayi. And I smile because I think I say this Ramban so often that you know it's hard to say. It's because it's so... Yeah, but you have to repeat this Ramban again and again. And it's Ramban that's the fundamental Ramban in Tyra. So every person... I remember my mashkiach when I was in high school, he used to always tell me that a Ben Tyra needs to know this Ramban Balpe. And so I committed a lot of it to uh, to know it by heart, not all of it, but the main quotes, the main pieces of it. It might be that I know it better because I say it so often. Also, but the reality is that it's that important because this Ramban at the end of Parashas Bei contains every question that you may ever have had about Yiddishkeit and about the world and about yourself. Why Akedat created the world for what purpose? Why is it that, uh, that there are so many mitzvahs in the Torah that are Zech, Elisias, Mitzrayim? And why do we daven in shul? And why do we daven with a loud voice? And there's all these questions that, you know, that may bother us. And this Ramban, in a nutshell, gives us the answers to so many of them. I'm not going to go into all of the, the minutia of the Ramban. We gave many shmuzin about it over the past years, and even this year. But the Ramban, basically, his insight is that Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, all the great miracles that we're going to be speaking about on Seder night, whether it's Kriyas Yamsuf, or whether it's the Makis, or whether it's uh, all the other great miracles in Jewish history from Matan and fighting, uh, entering Eretz Israel, Lamake Mitzrayim B'vchayrayim, everything, all the great miracles that you could think of, Hanukkah. why does HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh, is what's the takeaway, what are we supposed to understand from these great miracles? And the Ramban says that it's not just for the miracles themselves. If your only objective in Yitzis Mitzrayim and in, in the Lel HaSeder is to know that once upon a time, the sea split. And once upon a time, HaKadosh Baruch Hu sent uh, frogs into Egypt to attack. And once upon a time, there was, uh, you know, there was a burning bush in the desert. If that's your whole takeaway, then it's basically, it's interesting, it's nice, and maybe you're Mekayim, the din of Sippor, but that's not what we are supposed to get from that on a daily basis. The personal objective of Yitzchak Mitzrayim is to understand very clearly that Menhanisim Hagedaylam Hamifursamim, from the great open public miracles, from these great miracles that I just described, Adam Makir Benisim Hanistarim, a person will then come to recognize the hidden miracles that occur every single day. And that, ein lam teva Omen Hagga, shal aylam. There's no such thing as nature. There's no such thing as it just happened to be. Happenstance, mikra, coincidence. It was a crazy thing. I just bumped into... No, no, no. There's no such thing as that in Yiddishkeit. There's no such thing as teva. What we see as teva, what we call mother nature whether it's a bird flying or whether it's the sun or whether it's the moon or whether it's uh, an amoeba or paramecium, whatever you want to chalk up to nature as if like there's no need to include God in that picture, it's all mistaken. Because the same HaKadosh Baruch Hu that was able to perform the miracles of Mitzrayim that shows that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, if he could override the laws of nature, he must be the, per- the being that created nature. Everything is from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. There's Ashkacha Pratis, everything that happens in our life, every single moment of every single day, is by HaKadosh Baruch Hu's design, personally. There's no such thing that happens. There's never anything, whether it means you got a parking ticket, whether you were going out with somebody and the shidduch didn't work out and you're very upset about that. Have nothing to fear. There is a God, there is a God in the world and he said that this is what should be and it's for your own good. A person gets a flat tire, Rahman a person gets a, has an accident, Leolino. a person is sick, a person uh, has a simcha, a person wins the lottery, a person gets a promotion, gets into the grad school that he wanted, all these things whatever it is and I could go on and on and on all day. Nothing just happened to be. Good, bad, neutral, it's all from Akasha Parahu. Everything that you see in the world, the fact that you could see anything with your eyes, it's all from Akasha Parahu. That is the takeaway says the Ramban of Vithiasvanthrayam. And that's why we need so many mitzvahs all day to remind ourselves of Yitzhia. And we have Zechel Yitzhia Mitzrayim every single day. We have to remember about the fact that we left Egypt. We have our tefillin that we put on in Zechel Mitzrayim. Shabbos is Zechel Yitzhia Mitzrayim. is Zechel Yitzhia Mitzrayim. Pidginah Ben is Zechel Yitzhia Mitzrayim. Mezuzah the Ramban says is Zechel Mitzrayim. Everything is Zechel Yitzhia Mitzrayim. Why? We need so many um, bows tied around every single finger and every single toe to remind us constantly about Yisrael. Why? Why is it so important to remember that we left Egypt? That's a historical fact. We believe that. And Let's move on. The answer is that the legacy of Yisrael is not just something that happened in history but isn't relevant to us at all today. It's so relevant Because every second of every day, there are nisim that are happening to us every minute as we speak. Where is the miracle? I don't see the miracle. When I ate cereal this morning, when I had my coffee, I didn't see the coffee split into two. That happened to Mitzrayim. That didn't happen to me today. What am I talking about? Because everything is a miracle. The fact that I had a cup of coffee, that I was able to pick up the cup and drink it and swallow it and digest it—that's a miracle. The fact that I was able to see the coffee and taste the coffee and touch the coffee and whatever—I—that's all miraculous. We don't look at it as that's just normal to us. But it's not normal if you have a if you have a a a a way of a perspective. If you see this, I am constantly on your on your mind. If you're thinking Yitzhiya Mitzrayim, that means that everything that HaKadosh does is miraculous. He controls everything, just like he controlled everything so dramatically during the great Nisim of Yitzhiya Mitzrayim. Those were the great, open, famous, public, overt miracles. But then there are the personal, obscured miracles that we forget are the hands of HaKadosh Barhu, But they are. So Yitzhiya Mitzrayim is a bridge to our daily life, to every second of our life, remembering constantly there's a God in the world and he controls the Bria. And there's Hashkacha Pratis and everything is good. And if we're able to remember this, our life is fantastic. We're, we're calm people, we're serene, we're, we're, we're happy, we're content, we're not nervous, we're not stressed out because everything that HaKadosh Baruch Hu does is for the good. So nothing could happen, I'm bulletproof. Nothing that could happen to me is bad. Obviously, I have to do a shtadlis. I have to study for that final. If I don't find study for the final, and then I fail the final, I can't ascribe that to HaKadosh I have to do my shtadlis. But at the same time, once I do my shtadlis, now I could just sit back and be comfortable with whatever happens to me, because I know that I did what I had to, and now HaKadosh is in control of everything else. But yet we forget. And even if we go through a million shmuzen and a million Rambans and we hazard it again and again and again and we say Baruch Hashem, Mirz Hashem everything is ascribed to Hashem but we still get nervous. And we still forget. And we still lose sight of the fact that there is HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the world. He created the world. All Teva is really from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We forget. Why is it that we forget? Why is it? Why can't we see everything as being godly? Why is it so difficult that we need all these reminders and even then, we're forgetting? I want to share with you this morning a beautiful mashal that I saw from Rav Dessler. It was brought in a safer called Vigatata, which is the Torah of Rabbi Yaakov Galinsky. Zechot Tzadik Lavracha was a great famous Magid. Um, he was originally from the Vardik, and then he lived in Bnei Brak for many, many decades. And he, he is basically uh, a brilliant Magid. And he has many volumes, and they're all fascinating, and he brings a lot of the things that he was, um, he was exposed to in his life, stories, how he survived communism, uh, and he survived uh, so many other experiences in life, and the personal relationship that he had with um, the Panavichirov and with the Chazanish, Reb Chaim Kanievsky, the Stipler, He has great stories in his svarim. And he writes that he once asked Reb Dessler the following question. He said, there's a Gemara, it's in Brachis, it's also in Megillah. The Gemara says on the Pasuk that Chana says, Ein tzur kelekenu. There is no rock like our God. Tzur means a rock. Sur Yisrael, Kumabaz Be'ez Yisrael. Tzur means a rock. There is no rock like Hashem. Pashas rock, why do we refer to Hashem as a rock? Because He's solid. You could rely on Him. But the Gemara darshins it a little bit differently. Ein tzur kelekenu is ein tsayar Sadi Yod Yod Resh. What's a Sayar? Tzayr is an artist. There is no greater artist in the world than Hashem. Hashem is the most fantastic, phenomenal, master artist. So if Golinsky asked to have Dessler, that's a praise for HaKadosh Rav, he's, he's a Rembrandt, that's, that's, the, that's the praise that we give HaKadosh as He's an artist. HaKadosh is the Bari HaElem, is Manik Dailam, He's Mahav He does everything and anything, and we're describing Him as an artist? Is that something that we praise HaKadosh Baruch What does that mean? Ain't Sayer kalakenu. He might be one, but is that what we, what we have to, you know, that, that's the praise that we give HaKadosh Baruch He's an artist? It's nice to have a talent of being an artist, but why would we describe HaKadosh Baruch as an artist? So if Dessler says the following, say. He says, once upon a time, a few hundred years ago, there was a, an emperor of France. He was the head of the whole French empire at the time. And he wanted to know who is the greatest artist in all of France. Art was a very big thing in France. The French had many, many famous artists. They are very into, you know, into culture and into art. And you wanted to know who, so they got the best artists in France to gather in a studio in Paris and they were each told, here's your canvas, here's your, uh, your palette of, of paints. Everybody's supposed to draw an orange. They wanted to keep a level playing field. If one was going to draw a human being, one was going to draw an airplane, uh, whatever, a bird, and one it was going to draw... It's not going to be good. Who, you can't compare apples and oranges. So everybody's going to draw an orange. We're going to give you a few hours, and then we're going to come, and we're going to judge. We're going to have judges that are going to... pass and Who is the best artist in all, of, in all of France? They all gather in the studio, a big studio, and they each are painting all these great famous artists and one is painting in his style, one is painting in her style, everybody's giving their own interpretations of this orange with different backgrounds, with different styles, abstract and modern and and contemporary, whatever it is. And then they finish, everyone had to put down their their paintbrushes at one point, okay, now we're going to Paskin, who's the best artist in all of France. And the judges come in and they look at one, and then they look at another, look at a third, and they look at a fourth, and they're all so good. They're all so perfect that they don't even know who to, who to crown the winner. And they're back and forth deliberating, who knows. And there was a window open in the studio while they were deliberating, and a bird flies into the window, through the window, lands on one of the paintings, and starts pecking away at this orange. Pecking, pecking, pecking. Meaning the bird was so convinced that this orange was real that it was, it was actually relating to it as if it was a real orange. And the judges, as soon as they saw this, they stepped back and they said, okay, we have ourselves a winner. This is clearly the greatest painting because even a bird fell for it. A bird thought it was real to the degree that it's pecking at it. That's the winner. Reb said that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the entire world. It's his. It's his world. He is the master artist. But his art is so good. He did such an amazing job. He's such a great artist. That we're all fooled into believing that it's real. We believe that this world around us is so real; it's natural. Whatever happens is natural. All the things that we are, that we're looking at, that we're eating, that we're touching, that we're experiencing is all natural. There's no God here. It's not a miracle. It's nature. Hakadosh Baruch Hu is such a great artist that you think it's real. It's not real. It's all HaKadosh Baruch Hu's design. It's not a real art. It's HaKadosh Baruch Hu created a painting, a simulation, ke'ilu it's something, but it's not. It's Hashem. It's not Teva. It's not what we call nature. It's not natural. It's HaKadosh Baruch Hu's artwork. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu makes this world seem so natural because he has to. That's part of his master plan. If everything was so apparently godly, then there would be no schar v'aynish. We would never get schar for anything because we would see Hashem, everything is a miracle, we'd have Yerashemayim, we'd always be perfect, we'd never have Sveikas and Emunah, we never have issues with Emunah And because obviously everything is a miracle. So Hashem made for purposes of schar v'aynish, for purposes of Bechira, he made a world that's so natural that we don't even remember, we don't even know at all times whether or not it's Hashem or is it nature. Hashem wanted it that way. He aimed sayer Hashem is a perfect artist. so He makes things so real that it seems real, even though they're godly. But it looks like it's nature. And that's why it's so hard for us it's so hard for us to always remember that Hashem is everywhere, that Hashem is here, Hashem is there, up and down. Hashem is everywhere. It's hard for us to remember that because the world looks natural. Hashem made it that way. There's oxygen and there's everything Everything seems to work in a natural way and we're convinced that it's because Hashem did it that way. But we have to remember that it's just, it's, it's just a, a painting. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is behind everything. It seems so good. It seems like, you know, this happened to me, that happened to me, this is bad, this is stressful, this is. But at the end of the day, it's all from Hashem. And Hashem leaves his signature on every work, which reminds us that it's him, even though the world around us might believe otherwise. I'll tell you, I read a, a story, a story, I read a, a, an account of Darwin, Charles Darwin was a, uh, a keifer baker because of him we all had to learn about evolution to pass the regents if you lived in new york it's always a big shy. everyone got very very from when it came to the regents because you had to know as a mutter also to learn about evolution you needed to learn in order to pass the uh, i don't know what that was i guess i don't know it's earth science or some or some one of the one of the regents you had to know a certain amount of evolution, Rahman al to do it. So we went to our abeim. Do we have to take the regions? Was, we got very from during that year of, of high school. But he came up with this idea that we all descend from, you know, from, from monkeys and dinosaurs. Uh, dinosaur. everything was, you know, there, there's nothing, nothing is godly. Everything is... Uh, It's just nature, and you have to be... Somebody once very smartly, very wisely said, you have to be a much bigger believer... In evolution, than in Hashem, it's much easier to believe in Hashem than it is to believe in whatever whatever garbage he fed us about evolution, and it, we come from monkeys, and, this, and birds come from uh, this, and and, and uh, you know everything is and there's a big bang, and there's an explosion, and that caused the world to come about, and uh, just random events caused the world to to begin, and you have you have a sun that's exactly ninety one million miles away from. Earth. If it was a little closer, we'd uh, we'd all burn up. A little further, we'd freeze to death. But it just happened to be that there's uh, that the, there's an Earth and there's a sun, and we're able to uh, to walk and talk. And there's birds and there's fish and there's fruits and there's bananas. It's all just it's nothing to see over here. It's all nature. It just happened to happen. But there's no God behind anything. That's what Darwin. Uh, was espousing, and that's what, and every scientist that's not a Shemeter Mitzvah believes in that. If you ask any scientist in the world, had the world a big bang? Big bang, that, you know, that, that's how it happened, of course, that's how it happened. It makes zero sense, it really does make zero sense, and if anyone is intellectually honest, they'll, it's much, you have to believe in a creator. And I read that Darwin had a diary. And in his diary, he wrote that with all of his theories that he's putting out there, he says, the human eye keeps me up at night. Meaning even Darwin had a conscience when he thought about the human eye with all its perfection, with all its ability to see and and a a billion neurons behind the eyeball to be able to make sure that the messages that are sent from what it sees somehow... I don't know how an eye works. Does anyone know how an eye works? Anyone have any idea how an eye works? How you're, what, what, it's a piece of flesh and it's able to somehow see and it's able to send messages to the brain and the brain sends messages back to it and it could shut and it could open and it could be the right amount of lubrication in the eye and it's able to... Uh, it's an amazing thing. It's just, you know, the reason... And it's protected. HaKadosh Baruchel made a forehead, a skull to protect it on all sides, and nose and so, so things shouldn't, you know, if a ball hits you, it doesn't ches v'shalom, you know, poke your eye out because it hits, it, it, you know, there's, there's protrusions all around the eye to protect it. He says, the human eye keeps me up at night. You know, I don't know if he ever said that, Barabim, but we have his writings. His kisveyad, say that, you know, that, that this is what keeps me up at night because it's true. HaKadosh Baruch signature is in the world. You just have to be able to see it. If you could see his signature in everything, you're good. Then life is so geshmak; It's easy. It's beautiful. It's Yitzis Mitzrayim Dekal Life. You hop the Ramban so clearly that whatever Hashem did in Mitzrayim, he's doing it today just in, in, in more hidden ways. But he's here. He's with us right now in this room. He's controlling everything. Every cell in our body that's, that's being... Uh, that, that's alive and it dies and it, whatever is happening, the digest. as we're speaking, we have no idea what's going on in our bodies right now. As, as I'm talking, our, our heart is beating. The blood is coursing through our veins. There is different, uh, you know, the, the pores of our body are, are breathing in and out. And there's a million things going on. There's a billion things going on just in our bodies. What's the cell and the mitochondria and all this stuff? It, it's unbelievable what's taking place at every second of every day in our bodies alone. Forget about in the moon and the sun and the rivers and the lakes and the, and the fish. What, that, there is so much going on. HaKadosh Baruch's signature is on every artwork, but he makes it look natural. And that ability to look natural gives us Bechira. It makes the whole world be able to be fooled by Mother Nature but if you're a Shemr Tare Mitzvah, you're a Pesach Dikeyid that understands the lessons of the takeaway of Pesach, you'll be able to see everything out there and the beauty that it has. The other day I was giving a shir to, to, to one of the shirim and we were speaking about Rabbi Victor Miller And Victor Miller has a uh, a video. You could find it online. It's about apples. I imagine if you would Google Victor Miller apples, you're going to get that video. And it's basically like a a few a minute or two. And basically, I'm not going to go through all the detail of the video. But he basically says, imagine how absurd it would be if you would bite into an apple. And there would be a silver dollar that's in your mouth that was inside of the apple. You say, this is crazy, a silver dollar inside an apple, this is miraculous. And he says there's something much, much more miraculous that takes place every time you bite into an apple. Inside of the apple, there are little seeds in the middle, those annoying things you spit out, you throw in the garbage, you know, with the core. And when you bite, when there's seeds in your mouth, what is this? These seeds, he says, contains thousands and thousands of thick textbooks worth of information, reams of information about everything that goes into making an apple tree. Imagine if you would have a textbook that breaks down component by component of how to create, an, how, how to create a tree, an apple tree. You know what that is? I could give you a trillion dollars. You would never be able to, in a laboratory, create an apple tree. You just wouldn't. How do you do it? What, you would get wood from a lumber yard and start sticking it into the ground, that would never work. You get a petri dish, I'll give you all the petri dish. I'm trying to make an apple tree. But this little pit has all the information in it to make an apple tree. That itself is, is crazy. But what's even more crazy is that besides for the 10,000 textbooks of information contained in that little, little pit, it also is a factory for creating the tree. It's not just the information of how to make the tree. It's the factory to make this, this tree. So you take that seed and you plant it in the ground. You give it the right environment. Then, and you come back a couple of years later. You're going to have an apple tree that grew from what? From a little seed. It's an amazing thing. That's just one thing. Ravig de was an expert, by the way, in all these things. He understood how an apple works and an orange works and how a cell works and how a plant works and how the moon works and how the sun works. There is so much brilliance in this Bria. We don't know about it. But if you would study it and you would understand it, then it's a religious experience. There's no greater way of seeing the Rabbinah Shalom than in Teva. This is what the Rambam writes... In the beginning of uh, of Yisadei I think one of the professors, uh, Professor Danishhevsky, if I'm not mistaken, he at the at his first biology class, he basically puts the the Rambam on a on a slide and shows you what the Ramam says that the way to attain Avos Hashem and Yerush Hashem is when you're Mispainin, when you're able to contemplate all that Akhar created. And then you realize how amazing Akedat is, and how I am, in contrast, such a barrier vela of a I'm like i I'm nothing compared to the brilliance of Akedat And the Yadu Nirsal when you hop that, you you're blown away. The Ram says you're like you have to you're like bowled over, and you uh, and you are immediately. Uh, nimshach to try to find out who HaKadosh is. You want to get closer to this great Bria that, that was able to create this world. It's a religious experience. Biology is a, a religious experience. Chemistry is an, to understand uh, bio, uh, biomedical issues. To understand the breakup of a cell, the breakup of an atom. All that goes into This isn't just Stam Teva. This is HaKadosh Baruch Hu's This is what HaKadosh did. This is all religious, but we don't look at it. We look at it as, oh, I have to take chemistry, I have to take bio, I have to take physics. I got to, you know, oh, it's teva. It's not teva. It's a it's, sheer. It's a, a sheer in the greatness of HaKadosh His signature is on it. You just have to be able to see it, but we don't see it. We're fooled by his mastery, by his art, artistry. We think that every, he's so good at the art that it's, it's almost hard to discern that there is a, a creator behind it because it's so beautiful. It looks real. That's how Wigna Miller ends the video, by the way. He says, look at the apple. He holds up the apple and he smiles he says, it looks almost natural. And he smiles. That's what it is. It looks natural. That's what we're talking about. Everything is so perfect that it looks natural. It's not natural. It's godly. It's divine. But we can't see his signature. We fail to see his signature on the painting. Mm-hmm. And I want to tell you uh, another Misa, a related maisa. Mato Pagramansky, or Mordechai Pagramansky was the... Rebbe of Gifter, he was a, a Gain Eilam. We've spoken about him many, many times. He says the following mushal. He says, once upon a time, there was a, uh, a person that went into the Louvre. The Louvre is a, is a very famous museum in, in Paris. It contains many, many masterpieces, most notably the Mona Lisa. The Mona Lisa is the most famous painting in the world hands down. Uh, it's a big Suffolk in Piskin whether or not she is smiling, she's not smiling, not clear. But it's a very famous painting. And among many, many paintings, I actually went when I was a Bacher. I used to like traveling, so I went to a friend's wedding in Belgium, and then I went from there, we drove me and a couple of friends to, to Paris, and we wanted to the stops that we made after the Eiffel Tower, and this and that, we went to the Louvre. And outside of the loop there's a famous, like, glass triangle. And we were walking around. When I go to Europe, whenever I went to Europe, everyone said, you've got to wear, you can't wear, you know, don't let them know you're Jewish, it's dangerous, and you've got to wear a cap, and you've got to wear this. And that. I got very yeshivish. Whenever I went to, to Europe, I wanted to look as yeshivish as possible. Because I felt like, why do I have to be embarrassed? Like, they killed six million people, I have to be embarrassed? Like let them be embarrassed, let them be ashamed of what they do. Why do I have to walk around Paris like a guy? Like let me let me walk around like a yitz. I wear my hat and I wear my tzitzes out, even though I normally don't wear my tzitzes out, I wear my tzitzes out then. And so I was walking there and uh outside the Louvre. It's nothing to do with this mushroom, I'm just uh Agaborfa. And um and this woman, an old like French woman or, I don't know, some European woman and, and her husband were walking by, and she says, Sieg Heil, like a, a, like a Nazi salute. So, you know, my friends, oh my gosh, let's get, I said, I'm not getting out of here. Wait, wait, I'm not. I go over to her, I said, excuse me, wh- what did you just say to me? And she started getting nervous, like she, st- she thought she'd make me nervous, I started making her nervous. And her husband was, what do you want? I said, your, did you hear what your wife said? Did you hear, just hear that? Leave us alone. What do you want from us? you Jew. So what did you just say? And it was like, it was becoming like people were starting to like gather around us and like, you know, it became like an international issue. But I stood my ground and, and they, uh, they like walked away quickly. And when I came back to Yeshiva in Chaim Berlin, I was, I was like a conquering hero. Like Bamberger beat the Nazis. <laughs> And like my rabbeim came over, we heard what he did. Chazak the Hamatz is good, is You did, he did good. And my friends are ooh. So anyway, so there there was a uh, so there there was a, a guy that was in the Louvre. He took the tour, and there was a the, a museum guide. And the museum guide was going. This is a painting by uh, by Monet. It's water lilies, and a beautiful painting. Everyone was like ooh ah. And he, this guy in the tour says. Buttermilk. Nobody knew. He thought, they thought he was a Meshuggah. Like, what is he thought Buttermilk. Is this? We're in the Louvre. Like, what are you talking about buttermilk for? It's not a grocery store. Anyway, they go to another painting. And this is, uh, you know, this is Rembrandt. Uh, and everyone's, you know, taking selfies with it. And, you know, he says, Buttermilk. And again, like, I think he's a Michigan, And they finally, this is like, now they're at the, you know, the... This is the, the crescendo of the tour. They're at the Mona Lisa. This is, like, Mamish It. This is why you came to Paris. And everybody's, like, going crazy over it and, like, looking at it and studying it. And there's guards over there. And again, he screams out, Buttermilk! And at this point, the museum guide like, just had enough. And she said, What are you talking about, sir? She walks over to him, and she says, Ah, can kind of your glasses so he takes off his glasses, and she takes out like a, like a towelette or something, and she says, you have buttermilk all over your glasses. And she cleans it off, and she makes it like nice and shiny, and she says, now try them on. She says, ooh, Mona Lisa. Romato Pagamansky used to say this and said that that's us. We're that guy with buttermilk on his glasses. Because we should see the Yad Hashem in everything. We should be better than being convinced that there's Mother Nature and there's storms and there's hurricanes and, there's, and, and, and things just happen to be this way. And I just happen to bump in. I just happen to get into I just happen to... We should know better. We should see the signature of HaKadosh Barucho on everything by now. If we're Pesach Dikeyidin, there's only one problem. We have buttermilk on our glasses. We have schmutz on our eyes. And we buy into all the junk that we listen to on the radio and on the internet and on TV and in the movies and everyone, the whole world has been brainwashing us with this constant barrage of mother nature. And this is natural, this is coincidence, an accident. It's big bang and it's evolution. And, it's, and it, makes, it makes us mishuga. We don't even know anymore. We don't see the real thing from the, from the fake thing. We don't understand that it's HaKadosh Baruch who is strong. We know it. Of course we know it deep down inside, but we always get convinced otherwise because we have buttermilk on our glasses that do not allow us to see the signature of HaKadosh Baruch that he's the artist that drew everything. We know it, of course, on a certain level we know it, but we don't remember it. When we need to remember it, it's not there for us. And we get stressed out and we get nervous. We keep fooling ourselves into believing that it's under our control everything and that if something went wrong it's our fault and it's this and that because we have buttermilk on our glasses and in the days that we go into Pesach, these days that I'm talking about right now, the minig Yisrael is to clean and to scrub and to wipe and to shine. Because that is essentially the Aveda of these days, is to clean up our eyes, to clean our glasses off a little bit, to clean up our souls, to clean up our nishamas, and to start, stop believing that there's such a thing as tava because it's destroying us. This constant forgetfulness that we have that Hu is the Elamim, The Hakajshbrachhu is the Mahavalam, the Ravanishlam is the mashkiach of the world. And that everything that happens is for the good. It's he loves us. He's protecting us. Good and bad. Everything is for us. There's aschakha pratis every minute of every day. That's something that we have to remember. But we have to clean the buttermilk off of our glasses, and we have to do a bedikah for the chametz that yitzhahara that keeps on creeping into our lives that doesn't permit us to remember. Does not permit us to remember that is that sayer, ain't sayer kelekein, and look at his signature. We forget. If we would remember, we'd be happy. But we forget. And so we fail to take so many lessons HaKadosh Baruch Hu is sending us, those messages that we can't miss, but we miss them time and time again because we're so busy with things on a natural level that we don't see HaKadosh Baruch Hu in everything. And so the Aveda of these days is to clean not just clean our rooms, not just clean the refrigerator, not just clean the... But to clean ourselves, to clean out our own neshamas, to clean our glasses off, as it were, our eyes, to be able to clean everything up so we see crystal clear 2020 vision that HaKadosh Sparchu is it. And that will usher us into Pesach because Pesach teaches us that. That's the Asayi of Pesach. Pesach is in order to teach us that... The same God that did Yitzhi and V'shaim is the God that takes us every single day by the hand, allows us to wake up in the morning, open up those two gifts called our eyes, and see, and hear, and speak, and say, and acknowledge HaKadosh Baruch in our life, like the Ramban continues, to constantly acknowledge HaKadosh Baruch to be grateful to the Rebbein Yitzhi That's the HaVayda Pesach. If you get that, and you're able to convey that to others, and, and absorb that on Seder night, and now, starting really now with the cleaning process, then we're good. We still need constant reminders, but that's the avaid of these days, to be able to see that. You know, a lot of times, chalamayid is a very big letdown. I always say that if you ever want to debunk the myth of Eilam Haza, that there's some geshmaka world out there, you know, outside the basement. Come on, we're in the basement. We're giving our best lives to learning, but if I wasn't in learning, I would have the best time in the world. I would ha- I'd party. And I think the way to debunk that myth, if you're, if that is on your mind in any which way, is Chalamayid. Chalamayid is a time Baruch gives us to prove that this world is bluff, it's phony. How do you know that? Because I tell my kids, every chalamaid, tell me what you want to do. Okay, I'll drive you anywhere. We'll do anything that you want. Just tell me what you want. I, 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 go for it. Go for broke. What do you want, great adventure? Yeah, Tati, can we go to... Okay, let's go to great adventure. You go there, it takes three hours to get there. Traffic, bumper to bumper. You get there, you spend a fortune of money. Everyone there is walking around depressed. It generally starts to rain in the middle. Um, you know you have to take shelter and in the meantime the kids are cranky they want to eat you know especially sukkah is really bad there's no sukkah pesachi imatsis, and it's just like you, i don't go on roller most people get sick on roller coaster rides, so that's not worth too much and then you know it's just it, it's just it's horrible horrible I, and i've been to disneyland don't think disneyland is any different and i've been to disney world i've been to epcot i've been to universal studios I mean, i've been to all of it it's all it's the same thing to Schaefer, and to time and the Shofar, time and the Megillah—it's all the same thing. It's just boring. There's no happiness there. Everyone's miserable there. You know, the happiest place in the world, Disneyland, Bologna. I, I never saw one person smile in Disneyland in my life. <laughs> You're going on these rides, and then there's people that bought the, uh, you know, the, the the what's it called? Fast-pass. What? Fast pass, right? So you feel so like angry that these people, you know, have Kadim over you. You have to wait online like a bozo for four hours. And this guy just, go, you know, because he paid a couple extra bucks. It's just, it's just misery the whole day. So what else do you want to do, Khalamaid? You know, well, we want to go to a pottery. Like, what are you doing? There's no Eilam it's, haza. It's horrible to say, but there's no, I don't know what Goyim do all day. There's nothing in this world to offer. There's nothing. There's nothing that the world has to offer. You see it every single time. There's only two things that you could do on chalamayid that you'll feel good about. One is taking a safer and learning. If you take a safer and learn, you're going to be the happiest person. If you go to a base medrash, if you live in, uh, wherever you might live, if there's a base medrash that's, uh, that's open on, on Yanta, there's a sizable Jewish community, you go to Chaim Berlin, you go to Lakewood, you go to Teiradas, you go to uh, Archaim, you'll see like, Hundreds of Bnei Taira sitting in a loud kishmaka base Medrash. They're enjoying chalamayid. That's a real enjoyment. That's a taina Grochni. That's a real chalamayid trip. But you can't always do that because you have a wife, you have kids. You can't just abandon them and go learn the whole day. I understand that. So you learn a little bit. So you get a little bit of taina Grochni. And the best thing to do on chalamayid is to go to a zoo. I once made a mistake the zoo is free on Wednesdays. So I thought I'd be in Ibrahim Chalmeid, Wednesday, perfect. I'm not the only guy that knows that the zoo is open, is free on Wednesday. So there's literally a four mile backup on the, uh, wherever that is, you know, in the Bronx over there by, uh, you know, by the zoo. And chassidim, uh, Misnagdim everybody was ma'achid to get into the zoo for free. So I just, I was stuck in traffic for so long, we just, the kids were getting crazy, we just turned around and went home. That was good, but um, But if you go on, let's say, a Tuesday or a Thursday, you have to spend a little money. But you can make that into a religious Pesach experience. If you just go from animal to animal and you go, okay, this is an elephant and that's a monkey and this is a hippopotamus and that's a seal, it's going to be very boring. But if you're able to take like a Victor Miller trip, and that doesn't mean you have to study textbooks before you go, but you just say like this, Look at the peacock that the Rabbeinah Shalom made. a Baruchel created a peacock with all of its glory. And look how gaivadik it walks around, you know, strutting its feathers. Why did HaKadosh make it that way? Couldn't he make all birds in the world just pigeons, like just gray, dull, you know, just eating, you know, eating and, you know, sitting on statue heads and, and just like doing its thing? Like, why does why do HaKadosh Baruchel make such beauty in the world? He made beauty in the world because he wants to give us hana to see his artistry. And then you look at the elephant. The elephant has this big trunk because it's the only way that the elephant could get, could, could vacuum up the food that it needs to eat and get things down from trees in a certain way. And look at the fish in, a, in an aquarium, a million different types of, there's a hammerhead shark and then there's a, a whale and then there's a this and there's a seal and there's a... It's a beautiful world. And you could show how Teva's, all the is doing, if you have the right hashkafas, if, if you go to the zoo or you go to the aquarium, or you go to a planetarium, and you have that type of hashkaf as that's a meaningful day of Chalamayi, Pesach. Because that's bringing home the whole Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim, whatever you learned at the Seder, whatever you taught at the Seder, now comes practically. This is bringing a show and tell of whatever you're supposed to bring home from the Seder. The seder teaches you everything There, Look at this world. This world, this beautiful artistic, artistic masterpiece, which everyone thinks is just nature. It's not nature, it's the Rabbinus And look at his signature on everything. And look at how he loves us by giving us such variety of plants, of vegetables, of fruits, of, of fish, of birds, of, of animals, of human beings. There's such variety. A Kiddush could have made everything just standard, generic, blah, dull, boring, but he made it exciting, he made it colorful, he made it beautiful. That is a meaningful Chalamei trip. But to get there, we have to first clean. We have to be able to clean ourselves up, clean our minds up, clean our ashkafes our up, clean our, our perspective on life, and stop seeing things as natural and begin seeing them as godly. The beautiful Maisa will end with one of the vision at before the war. It was a big tzaddik. And he did the Bidika on the Lela Bidika the night before Pesach. He went from room to room and he spent a lot of time looking for those chametz, cleaning things out well. And then finally they were ready for Kolchamira after hours of intense Bidika. And the vision of the Rebbe began to open up his, his top shirt buttons. And the Gabai turned to the Rebbe and said, Rebbe, what are you doing? It's time for kolchamira. He says, no. He says, I want you to do a badikah in my heart. We checked the house, Ba Hashem, no chametz that we found, but now it's time for you to be bedek my heart for chametz. Do I have chametz in my heart? Is there a in me? You have to check for that too. And the Gabe was very smart. And the Gabe says, Rebbe, doesn't the Mishnah say that any place that you don't bring Chomets into doesn't need a Bidika? You don't need to be, I don't need to be Bidik your heart. There's no Chomets in your heart. You never have Chomets in your heart. And then they went to Kalchamira. I wish that we were the Vishnutserebbe, but we're not. And we let a lot of Chametz into our heart, and into our minds, and into our neshamas. And we have to clean that. We have to clean it well. We can't just jump into the Seder and expect everything to go well. We have to have time for preparation. In the world of chassidim, Hachana is more important than the mitzvah itself. There are raias to that. It's more important to prepare for the seder than the actual seder itself. And one of the preparations of the seder is to clean. Yes, to clean your room, to clean the car, v'chule, v'chule, but to clean ourselves, to clean up our eyes, to clean up our our mouths, our ears, our neshamas, our hearts, to make sure that there's no chametz in there, to make sure that we get rid of all the stuff that we've been ingesting Internally, physically, emotionally, spiritually for, throughout the entire year, throughout our entire lives. That's the insight of cleaning. To get the buttermilk off of our glasses. To see clearly that Teva is a myth. It's a fallacy. Everything is the Rabban Everything. Every little thing. Big and small is HaKadosh Baruch Hu's hand. Whether it's the physical Teva or whether it's the whatever is going on in life, it's all HaKadosh Baruch When we are able to get that, we're Pesach, the Geyid, we'll be able to be so happy, never stressed, we're never upset, we're never worried because Hashem is here. is going to take care of us. And that should be the takeaway, that should be the lesson, the legacy of Pesach. At the end of Pesach, when you're going and you're uh, getting ready to come back to Yeshiva, if you did it right, if we did it right, we should have a much clearer perspective on life. Come back to Yeshiva with a geshmak to learn and to daven and to come to Starim and, and to come to Shirim and to the Vadin and to the Shmuzen. And, and to be able to really see everything as godly, see every little thing as the Rabbinish nishlam Teva is not Teva. Teva, I think they, the, the, the Svarim HaKadashim say that HaTeva is gematri elekim. Elekim and HaTeva. HaTeva is just a, a, a way that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created in the world for people maybe to be confused. But really, Teva is HaKadosh Teva is what HaKadosh created in this world. And this is the most important lesson of our life. But the most important time of the year to get this is on Pesach, is the time that we speak about the Nisim Agadelim for some, the great big miracles, and then importantly or primarily apply that as a bridge to every small miracle, Nisecha, Chayim. And I want to wish all of you a beautiful Yantif that's full of Hisirus, that's full of Limanatairah, that's full of Yerushamayim. Full of lessons, profound lessons, in Amuna. Take it in, drink up every single, every single drop of the Dalad Kaisis is going to teach you about Yitzchus Mitzrayim. Every, every morsel of the matzah, every morsel of the, of the Murr and the kairach ne'afikayim, the these are all things that we're putting in our body, medicine that will increase our amuna. These are, as the Zayar says, machla mamnusa. It's the food of Amuna, It's pills. It's capsules that give you amuna if, if it's eaten with the right kavana. You should all have a, a wonderful yantiv. Help your parents clean. Be gishmak at home. Have derech heretz. Show them what you've been doing the whole year in yeshiva, that it wasn't for naught, that you've improved, you've matured your Derech your, Eretz, your Midas, your Anhagas, your Limenat don't fall. You want, your, for no other reason than you should give your parents nachas, they see, oh, Baruch Hashem, I sent away a half-baked Ben Taira, and now he's a full Ben If For no other reason to, than to give your parents, well, nachas is Kedai. But for you yourself to be able to be at home and to enjoy the family time and to have with your parents and with your siblings and with everybody around you and your community and to show who you are and what yeshiva you go to and, and how you've changed and how you're evolving. That's the only mutter evolution. The only evolution that's mutter is our personal evolution, how we are evolving day by day from being a regular person to being a ben and being a Talmud Chacham and being a Yerish That's the only Muttredika evolution, that's Darwinism with a hechsher on it. Our personal evolution, our personal growth. This should be the year that HaKadosh Baruch Hu sent Mashiach to Kenu. We should eat together in Yishalayim Yer HaKadosh, Yishalayim HaBinuya, from the Karim Pesach, from the Chagiga, and we'll dance together, Hashem. we'll sing howl together and you shallayim habinuya kenyratsim here be